Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Today, my guests are Andrea and Blair, owners of Adventure Dice, organizers of Terminal City Tabletop Convention in Vancouver, and driving force behind Andrea's Adventurers, a yearly tabletop RPG fundraising effort for the Canadian Cancer Society. We talked about their story of meeting each other, falling in love with gaming, and taking a time of hardship and channeling their energy into an amazing business and charity event. Enjoy! Purpose. Kind of an all-in-one. It had uh, panels with writing yeah. and and board and a board game room and but uh, we actually met playing a game called Human Battleship. The ships they're all blindfolded, so it's people. Uh-huh. You have two captains, and you're trying to guide these blindfolded people to do their actions to take out the opponents. We'd both gone separately to the session, and we were watching, and they called up a new game. And Blair jumped up to be a captain. And I was sitting there finishing my dinner and I was like, oh, I want to play, but I don't know. If other people want to play, I'll, you know, I'll let them. And he he saw me one interested. He's like, no, no, you come play, come play. So it was kind of one of those, it's okay. If someone else would rather do it, let them do it. But even though I really want to, and I just don't <laughs> want to say I really want to. And it was really obvious that that's what that was. So I kind of called her out on that. <laughs> Just try to be polite, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up being captains against each other, and he kicked my butt at the game. And afterwards, we just started talking and then ran into each other in another one of the panels. The panel, and then exchanged numbers. Yeah. That's you, awesome. You had interest in tabletop gaming. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about tabletops. How how did you get into tabletop gaming and uh, that scene? We were out at a bar for some reason. Um, and then one of Dan's friends started mentioning this game. And he's like, yeah, he's like, there's no board. You just kind of play with your imagination and it's in a fantasy world. And he's like, you know, so if, if you were sitting in this bar and this happened, what would you do? I'm like, what are my options? He's like, you're in this bar, what would you do? <laughs> and just the whole idea of removing the limitations of defined rules on what you can do, it actually spoke to me. <laughs> no, it was it was actually really cool because I was thinking, well, well, you mean there's no you know limits or rules? Because I had a habit in the past of playing video games and breaking them. The thought of playing this game where you didn't have those limitations or restrictions, it was you could play whatever you could think of. And as long as you had a way to get it done or make it happen or give it an effort, it was a valid option. And to me, that was that was amazing because you could actually play the way you wanted to play. So I was really interested in this. And he's like, well, you know, you should come play. So me and Graham went to their next game and we tried this game and it was so much fun. The next weekend went out and I bought myself a set of dice and, uh, and the rule book. Little to my knowledge, there was different versions out of that game. <laughs> bought the third edition rule book and I didn't realize they were playing first edition. <laughs> so I showed up at the next game with this rule book and like, okay, guys, I'm ready to, I'm ready to keep going. And it's like, well, that the book's no good. <laughs> what am I going to do? So we ended up talking with Dan's brother. And so we started up a game of third edition as well. And we started playing 
with that new rule book I bought. It was so exciting. It came to good use eventually. I still have it. It's in really rough shape, <laughs> but it's well used. <laughs> I grew up playing board games with my family. And then in the late 90s, um, I was really into like the internet and learning how to make web pages and stuff. And I was re also really into Sailor Moon. So I stumbled across these online role-playing games for Sailor Moon and stuff. Um, mm. And that sort of led into me finding an online Star Trek one, which was a, like a post by forum role-playing game. Um, and I joined, I was a member of there for like 12 years, <laughs> a very long time. So that was really my first experience with role-playing games. Um, and then I'd been interested kind of in university and I played D&D with a group, but it didn't, it wasn't a great first impression. Um, it didn't go over so well, sort of the, here's how I'm playing. And then the experienced people being all like, no, no, you're playing totally wrong. That's not right. That's not how you do it. So it left a bad taste in my mouth, but then I sort of got interested in it some more a few years later. And that was actually one of the reasons why at VCon I went, because I wanted to learn new board games and maybe learn more about D&D and stuff. And that's when I met Blair and we've been talking and he's like, you should come join our group. It's super great. We'll, we'll teach you, you know, we're very newbie friendly. And so that's how I sort of transitioned from online to the tabletop. I have to ask, favorite Trek series? Enterprise, oh and I know I'll I... get a lot of flack for that, but I love Enterprise. <laughs> That's a hard question to answer. I'm always conflicted with that one <laughs> because I love the rawness of Enterprise. Um, how Very it was, raw. They, they were, yeah, they were just <laughs> knocking into it, right? Yeah. Um, TNG is what got me into it, so I've kind of got to, you know, place my heart for that one. Yeah. But Deep Space Nine, it felt like the Wild West out in space, <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like just the way they took it to a whole new level in Deep Space Nine, showing that it's, you know, like when you're out on the edge dealing with everybody, sometimes those black <laughs> and white areas get really gray. And mm -hmm. I just love the way that they dealt with that. Depends on what day you ask me. It's yeah. my favorite. So they're all wonderful series. Talk me through your first experiences and what those were like. What kind of adventures did you run? How did it go? What kind of things did you learn from it? Oh, like DMing experience or just playing experience? Yeah, DMing. I'd been playing with Blair and his group of friends for not quite a year. It was maybe six months, but Blair's birthday had come around. And I wanted to do something special for him. And I, I was interested in DMing at the tabletop, but I wasn't sure if I was ready yet. The game Dread had come out and it looked really cool and really interesting. And so I was like, I want to try this and see how it goes because it's fairly rules-like system, but it's very story-based. I thought I could manage that, especially with like, I have anxiety a fair bit. So with that, it was, it was a good balance. I did that and I ran our group through Dread. And if you don't know Dread, it uses a Jenga tower for the character actions instead of a dice roll. And as the story gets goes along, the game obviously gets progressively more difficult as the tower gets shakier and things like that. Thus the yeah. name Dread. The story I put together, like it just really 
opened up so many doors for me because I planned a bunch, but all of a sudden I was doing so much fun stuff off the cuff that really propelled the story forward. So that like near the end of the game, our friend Ethan, he was just sweating and so <laughs> anxious to pull a tile. He was like, nope, I just keep driving. We're just gonna keep going. And he was like, seriously dreading. It was oh, It was so much fun. <laughs> And Blair, what about you? A few months after starting D&D, actually, it wasn't very long. In the third edition game that we were playing, um, I wanted to give it a shot. It looked like fun, um, just having to create this world and, and respond to everybody's behaviors, you know, and after seeing me do weird stuff and see the DM go, really? I had to try it. <laughs> see how, how frustrating it was going to be when players do that. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, I'm, I, I went to the group. I'm like, hey, this, you know, can I can I try? Like, I don't promised to be any good I jotted down a little map of a city and you know a few world ideas and you know I want to give this a shot and you know they were actually very supportive they're like yeah no problem you know I mean like if you've got questions on the rules we know the rules so just ask just like as a new player you come in and you tell them you know if you've got questions on the rules just ask tell us what you want to accomplish we'll help you accomplish it so it was kind of a similar thing where I I, st- I just started telling the story and taking the group through it. And if there was uh, any issues or questions, I'd just say, you know, hypothetically, if this was going to happen, how <laughs> <I> would you <laughs> <laughs> They were really supportive and, and it was a lot of fun. So we ended up taking turns, actually. A lot of the DMing was done by me and Brian for that group. And then other people tried and they took turns as well. But I think the majority of it was done by me and him. What are some of the worst mistakes you have made while running games for your friends and family? And what lessons did you learn from these mistakes? This is kind of the thing that this podcast revolves around, right? It's me and and everyone else who listens wanting to learn from everyone else's mistakes so we don't make them ourselves. I think the biggest mistake that DMs make is trying to reset the scene unintentionally or intentionally or a total party kill. They're never fun for anybody. They just drain the energy so fast that people just lose the game. As a GM, I think it's kind of your job to make sure that, one, for total party kills, that they don't happen. The scenario will occur, but there's always another option. Sometimes it's as simple as, well, the bad guys actually found it beneficial to kidnap you, tie you up, and you guys are just coming too, right? Or, you know, half the group gets away and the other half is taken hostage or something, right? There's always another option. And as a DM, you just have to find it. You know, that's something I learned a long time ago when actually having TPKs. And I've, I've done them. And as a DM, you're, you just feel really bad when you're happy, but you don't think there's anything you can do. There is. Think a little harder about it. The other one is, is trying to do like a reset where I had a game going. You were actually part of this game. And the items they had were really cool. But I wanted to create a new tangent on the adventure. So I created a scenario where the items, the lesser magic items, would just disappear, which no big deal. They were high enough level to go buy more. But the big ones would actually disappear. And they would create a new adventure to go find them again because they really loved them. I didn't realize how attached they were to these unique magic items that it actually killed the game and we stopped playing because they were it just drained the energy out of all of them and they were just kind of like this sucks and i felt really bad about doing that valuable advice i've heard that in a few different places as well so you're not the only one who's done that before (laughs) (laughs) and uh andrea what about you when i was 
starting out GMing in, in the online setting, one of the biggest pitfalls that you would often hear, like one of the criticisms was that the DMs were always railroading the players supposedly, right? Like yep. you would take them on this adventure and whatever. In my effort to try and not supposedly railroad these people, I tried to do a scenario that was quite just open. I would base um, what happened in the scenario more off of whatever their choices were. I think the group of people that I was taking through the session, I think they really needed a little bit more nudging along. So unfortunately what happened is they started getting really, really frustrating. They really weren't doing what their characters would do or trying to like get creative and problem solve. They were just kind of like, well, this is boring now because I can't do anything. So I think that was really like a, a rookie mistake on my part. I should have done more kind of seeding of hooks into the plot to kind of guide them along a little bit more. But it was a tough balance because like I say, this group had a habit of complaining about railroading. It's really important to know the group you're playing with. Yeah. I mean, I played with groups that you could just say you're in a bar and you have to do no planning. All you do is listen to the group and they will design the adventure for you. Oh, I want to find this. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need yeah. to do this. And they find this and they go, oh, that's really cool. You throw in a magic, rare eye magic item. Like, oh, I want the right set or whatever. Right? Oh, we need one to get one for the druid. Yeah. Right. They'll design it and they'll, they'll create the adventure for you. When there's actually other people who you need to walk them step by step through yeah. every part of the adventure and everything in between. So yeah. it's really important as a GM that one, you're comfortable playing the style that your group, your players want to play. Yeah but that you understand their style so you can provide that and, and you can both actually enjoy the game. And I think that comes down to like another rookie mistake I did was not having a session zero. They're so important to just kind of lay the framework for what your game is going to be, right? Like, yep. hey, we're doing this published module. So as players, you need to be okay with being, you know, a little bit guided in this direction because this is the story or yeah. you know oh you do want an open world okay well then you need to come up with a little bit more background to kind of help me seed some of the things down the road uh depending on which way you guys go things like that so session zero is so important you both brought up great points it's really striking the balance and i think sometimes groups can change across time for instance the group i'm playing with now we're brand new at the start and so they did need that that coddling and that kind of pushing in the right direction but now we're at a point where it's totally open then they dictate where the story goes and so you have to be aware of their style you have to be able to handle all of the different styles that they might want to play and you have to establish the expectations so all kind of part of a big piece of what it takes to be that dungeon master i, I like the advice what are some of your favorite memories of improv role play combat in the games that you've played. It could be together, it could be different games. Walk us through some of the epic moments that have made for great memories. I have to come back to that Dread game that I ran for Blair's birthday. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, I, see, I came up with the initial setting, which was they were essentially playing versions of themselves. And it was, the setting was at a campsite where we usually go camping. And they wake up and it's clear that a flood of some kind has happened and they only have on them what they would normally maybe have in their pockets. I know the area because we go camping there. So I had it in my mind that there would be this possibility, this hinting that there was this monster around. 
that had caused whatever this flood was, but they never really got like hard facts. I mean, they never really looked for hard facts, but it was, so it was only this hinting and that was about all I planned. And as the story unfurled, they could have gone the road, they could have gone late, they could have stayed where they were. I just totally improvised the rest of the game, which way it was going to go. And so all as, as we were going, all of a sudden this monster just became more and more uh, real in their minds that there was this kind of like lake monster, kind of Ogopogo or Loch Ness monster in the lake that had caused it and all of this. We had pieced it all together yeah. without actually knowing what we're piecing together. In our minds, yeah. it existed. And I really yeah. hinted at it, right? Like they heard strange noises and they saw glowing things. And then in the end, there was no monster at all. It was just the search parties coming to try and find them after this wave. It made my self-confidence feel so good that I could come up with something like that on the fly, just depending on which of the three routes I thought they were going to take. Yeah. It, yeah. That game lives on in my day, just the the feeling and like the feelings I was able to evoke in them just by Ethan not wanting to draw any more yeah. tiles because he didn't want the tower to fall. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Flair. That's a tough one. Um I I think the most memorable moments anytime you go make the DM go, What? <laughs> and there's been a few. I remember playing Sean's game once and he, I I somehow found this sword. It had been in my backpack for a while. I'd never actually pulled it out and used it. And then there's a situation where I'm like, forget it. I'm pulling this. I need some help pulling it out. I use it and I swing it and I roll a nat 20. And the look on his face was, okay. He's like, okay, well, now you have to resist the demon in the sword. So roll me a percentile. So I rolled the dice and I rolled 100%. <laughs> and the look on his face was, you knew he was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to last. Your character's going to have to give it up. No problem. No, no, no. I mastered this sword. That demon was my partner in crime now. Let's do so. <laughs> and just the look on his face of, okay, all right, well, I guess we're dealing with this. And now a word from our sponsor. If you've been thinking about getting into the podcasting game, but don't have a large budget or a ton of industry expertise already, Anchor.fm is a great place to get started. Why use Anchor? It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. And you can start monetizing your show immediately with no minimum audience size or reach. Anchor really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's get back to the show. Tell us about Adventure Dice, how it came to be, how it's going, how the current state of the world has affected it for better or for worse. Adventure Dice is an online shop that we sell dice and other RPG accessories like Deck of Many Things and fun-themed mugs and things like that. Dice trays that Blair handcrafts himself. <laughs> the Adventure Dice origin story is kind of bittersweet. In 2017, we sort of had a year from hell. It was just a really rough year for the both of us. Blair had been in a bunch of car accidents. And then in that spring, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So it was a really rough 18 months for us. In 2018, as I was sort of finishing up my treatments and things, we wanted something really positive that we can could focus on as we were coming kind of out of this bananas 
horrible year. Two years by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of our dreams had always been to have our own game store. But because we, like, I'd been off work for 18 months, it just wasn't financially a thing we could do. Yeah. But we thought, well, what if we start an online store? You know, we would have not, not half as much overhead, right? And so we, we got 18 sets of dice. We ordered like 180 sets total. So yeah. 10 of each, 10, 18 different sets. Yeah, 10 of 18 sets. And that's how Adventure Dice was born, is we started a shop for something positive to focus on. And now we sell online, we wholesale. Yeah, we sell online. We are, you can find our dice in many of the game stores here in Metro Vancouver, BC. And you can go to conventions when we can have conventions. <laughs> yeah. Our winter dice calendars. Or advent calendars. Or advent calendars. They yeah, ship yeah. worldwide. Yeah. We've had people all over the world. We've actually got we a map on the wall yeah. where we scratch it off when we ship to a new country. <laughs> and we ship those things all over the world. Yeah. It's actually really cool. That is really cool. I do a similar thing when I get listeners from different countries. I have like a map online that I like to track mm-hmm. it on. So it's like I'm slowly conquering the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how I feel. That's really neat. As far as coronavirus and you know the world kind of shutting down has that had a negative or positive impact on the business yeah initially it was negative our business plan had included in 2020 we were hoping to add more conventions to our schedule we were trying to get to one a month and so obviously that uh we did one (laughs) we did one in february we did fan expo a month didn't happen we did one (laughs) it's kind of crazy to think back like february 2020 we were doing conventions so that brought that everything to a grinding halt and then for probably about six five to six months things really slowed down people didn't know what was happening and you know our product is really kind of like a luxury but then in the summertime we put our adventure dice advent calendars on pre-order and all of a sudden things just took off again (laughs) well for whatever reason it inspired people to find our shop again and since then we've been doing like steady increasing business i mean it decreased from the fall because we don't have the calendars right yeah yeah (laughs) but um yeah it's it's actually been really good to see the community support and just how enthusiastic people are with supporting small business yeah that's amazing glad it has worked out i know you know it's not easy for anyone obviously and it's been been a rough year and and change but i'm glad that it's turned out okay for for the both of you tell us about andrea's adventures what it is how to start and what you are working on currently andrea's adventures started as a team for the relay for life so that's an annual event where you get together and you walk laps on the track Um, And you try and raise funds for the Canadian Cancer Society. And Mm -hmm. our first year participating was in 2018 because, as I mentioned, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor. And many of our family and friends have been touched by cancer. We have someone close to us who's currently fighting cancer. We've lost family members to it. So it's a cause that's really close to our hearts. And we just needed a way to fight back. We needed that control. We needed to say we were doing something to fight back. So we started doing the Relay for Life in order to help our fundraising efforts. We put a mystery set on Adventure Dice. And then in the second year, we actually picked a dedicated set. Um, It was uh, red and orange, and it was really sparkly, and it kind of represented me because I love those colors. 
we donated all the profits from that set to our fundraising efforts. And then we still have a limited number of those left actually. Yeah. We have so. some of the 2020 sets left still. Yeah, we had ordered um, a lot in anticipation of going to conventions and selling them <laughs> and they did really well at fan expo. Yeah. And then we had yeah. no more conventions. <laughs> and then, so we did the dice set again this year, but this is the second year that the relay, I mean, we can't get together to do the relay. So cancer doesn't stop because of the pandemic. I myself in April, I actually had some uh, preventative surgery to make sure my cancer doesn't come back. We really wanted to do something to raise more funds just because the saggy fundraising just due to the pandemic's not been great. And so we came up with an online charity stream. So um, Blair and I also run the local tabletop gaming convention here in Vancouver. It's called Terminal City Tabletop Convention. And so the last two years we've done an online convention our first year for 2020, we actually had to pivot within two weeks because our event was supposed to be at the end of March. So oh, fun. <laughs> that was that was a little bonkers. Was but little bonkers. Uh, so yeah, we had experience running things online and we'd seen other charity streams before and our community is super supportive of us and our convention and things like that. And we're like, well, what if we take our love of gaming and use it towards this fundraising? So Andrew's Adventurers Charity RPG Weekend. And when she says we and our, what she means is her, because she does like 98% <laughs> of the work on this one. <laughs> so I found out about it maybe a few weeks ago. I saw someone probably just retweet your tweet about it. And, and so that yeah. that's what piqued my interest initially. And it, it's really an issue near and dear to my heart too, because my mother um, over the, the past year has also dealt with breast cancer and so she's recovering well. She's also had some preventative surgeries, but and so she's she's doing great also. But it was very tough for that to be happening during the pandemic. Like you said, cancer didn't stop, and and it was uh, it was hard because I didn't get to see her that much. So when I saw this event that you were putting on, it was very special to me, and and I knew immediately that I wanted to get involved and see what I could do to help. How can people get involved with the cause? I know it's happening in a few weeks, so maybe talk us through the details. And then, uh, yeah, how, how everyone else can get involved? Uh, yeah, so if uh, it's happening June 4th to 6th, 2021, um, and it'll be online on Twitch. Um, you can follow at Terminal City Con on Twitch, or if you go to our website, www.andreasadventurers.ca, you can get all the info, including what our schedule is going to look like, who our DMs and players are, and the ways that you can help out. Uh, so there's uh, three ways that folks can help out. Um, they can make a donation directly to the Canadian Cancer Society. If you go to our website, there's a donate button and that will let you donate on behalf of our team so that we can reach our team goal, which is $5,000. We are, for every donation that we get, we're kind of allowing in-game perks. So you can have an influence on our live stream games, including healing potions or giving the DM a natural one or inspiration dice, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, our goal is $5,000. Um, last I checked, we were already at $1,400, which is oh, awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So there's that. Another way is you can purchase a set of Andrea's Adventurer's Dice through Adventure Dice. Um, and like I mentioned before, Blair and I are donating all the profits we would normally make off the sale of the dice set towards our fundraising. And then the other way is to tune in and watch us. So yeah, June 4th to 6th, tune in on Twitch, tweet out about the event, follow our Twitch, 
if you are a big Twitch person and you subscribe to stuff, subscribe to our channel, things like that. Just help us spread the word for the event. So there's uh, nine games happening over the weekend. There's two games on Friday, there's four on Saturday, and three on Sunday. Um, and we have a whole bunch of DMs uh, volunteering to help out. And then we have like 30 plus players who are participating, including yourself. Thank you for doing that. I'm really excited. I've never done a live stream at all, so it's fitting that this would be the one that I start with. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and like I say, the community is super supportive, and everyone is really excited for it. Great sponsors who've agreed to help out, like uh, Rain City Games, our local game store. They're donating some things we can uh, give to Camp Good Times, which is a camp for kids and families who have been affected by cancer. And they actually run a D&D online session for their kiddos, which is awesome. I'm so excited that we can donate some stuff to them. Um, yeah, we, we actually know people who've actually attended that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of good, and it, it makes us proud to be able to support that cause. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, um, yeah. We also have D&D um, Beyond is sponsoring. We're going to have some awesome things to give away or maybe auction. We haven't quite decided yet. <laughs> craving for a game as well. And uh, Craving for a Game, another game store is going to be uh, making a donation again, which is awesome. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors. And then, oh, um, RPG Scenery has also donated um, some really cool maps that we're going to be able to use during the live stream. They're like animated maps and visuals. So really excited. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, I'll be sure to get all of the links from you and post them in the episode description so anyone who's listening can go and see how they can help out and check out all these amazing sponsors. Anything else to plug? Any other projects or sponsors or, or anything like that? I know you have a Discord server that people can join. Yeah, if folks want to see sort of behind the scenes of running an online dice shop or talking about role-playing games or just chatting and having fun, you're welcome to join our Discord server. As I mentioned earlier, Blair and I also have some other businesses. So Terminal City Tabletop Convention, uh, we happen, it happens at the end of March generally every year in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's just dedicated to board games and role-playing games. And we have a small marketplace. It's We actually have a dedicated RPG room, yeah. which is really cool. Which both of our, we have two RPG managers, uh, Christoph and Matthew, and they're actually running games for us for Andrew's Adventures. Our event happens in March. We'd love to have more folks come. Um, it's a really kind of chill relaxing, fun weekend. We kind of consider ourselves the friendliest game convention in the area. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, we also run a laser engraving business called Burnt Focus, uh, which if you've seen the Adventure Dice spell templates and the dice boxes that Blair did, any of the like the laser engraving or cutting, we also do that. If people love our products and want to see us in your friendly local game store, Tell your friendly local game store that's the best way to get us in there because the more people that they have asking about it, the more chance they're going to contact us and say, we want you in our store. And that's really the easiest way for everybody because that's the way they know that people actually want it instead yeah. of me just going there saying, please carry our stuff. Oh, the other thing I'll mention oh. is we're actually working on our very first exclusive Adventure Dice dice set. We're really excited about it. The only other detail I think I can share is we'll probably start talking about it more maybe at the end of August or September, but it's coming soon and we're very excited. We're going to announce it end of August, beginning of September. What else are we announcing so. around then? Do we usually release around then? <laughs> well, let's you do we'll the math. <laughs>
All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, both of you, for coming on and for talking a little bit about the amazing things that you're doing. And really appreciated your advice and also talking about your business and the other great charitable things you're working on. So thank you, two for taking some time. Thanks for having us. It was Thanks a lot of fun. having us. It was fun. All right. And I'm really looking forward to a couple weekends from now or a few weekends from now. We're excited. <laughs> Me too. Thanks for joining us on How Not to DM. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share the podcast with your friends and family around your table. For episode guest announcements, link to our Discord community, blog, and social media accounts, visit at HN, the number two, DM on Twitter. Our awesome intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin. And until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me. <laughs>